Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Episode 231, Being Frugal with a Non-Frugal Partner. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are bringing a frequently requested episode, essentially kind of like how to get your partner on board, but not really. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll, you'll get it. But like <laughs> being frugal when your partner is not as frugal. Mm-hmm. And I feel so seen and maybe even... <laughs> called out. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call this it. This is Jill's episode. Yeah, well, in some <laughs> ways. I'm really looking forward to this because I think we're looking at this topic from some different vantage points that we don't typically hear or mm-hmm. see talked about where, yeah, like you're saying, Jen, it's not just how to get your partner on board and financial conversations. This when we find real rubs with one another, when there's tension and the various levels of tension that I do think, especially towards the second part of this episode, we're going to be getting a little bit more vulnerable and highlighting some more challenging and difficult dynamics. So brace yourself, but glad you're here with us. And I think this is going to be a really good one to open the door to some things that are lesser talked about. And hopefully people can feel seen and equipped. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. But first, this episode is brought to you by National Middle Child Day. So today is National Middle Child Day, and we want to celebrate this day on the show, not only because those children who are not the oldest, but also not the baby, and who are probably, arguably, the most put-together sibling in the family is rarely recognized because they cause absolutely no drama, But because Jill is a middle child, (laughs) as a middle child, uh, you probably get the least attention in your family. So you're going to want to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to uh, by opening a high yield savings account. So right now, CIT Bank's Savings Connect account is offering a 1.35% APY. It's the highest uh, we've seen that we like. Uh, So if you're a middle child, if you're not a middle child, Wherever you fall in the family tree, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CIT and start stashing away money that your family doesn't know about. 
Oh, again, I feel so seen. <laughs> Apparently, this is my episode. This huh? is your episode. I am a middle yes. child. All of these videos that are going around, these reels about oldest, middle, youngest. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That middle child <laughs> yeah. experience is yes. me. And all of yes. the things, all of the things that can be said about a middle child. Although, mind you, I make myself seen and heard. I started a podcast. <laughs> so here I am. You absolutely do. Opening and- that CIT account because got to do for my own self. You've celebrated a National Middle Child Day or two. So uh, if you are looking for some episodes to queue up after this that are in the same realm, we love episode 126, which is Healthy Financial Boundaries with Family and Friends. We love boundaries. Mm. And then also episode 87, How to Have Healthy Conversations About Money. Both of those, again, Jill episodes for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So episode 126 and episode 87 Really, really good ones. Happy National Middle Child Day, everyone. Happy day, Jill. Cheers to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank, thank you, everyone. I want to thank <laughs> my fans, my siblings. Thank <laughs> your sister for being born first. Thank yeah. your brother for being born second or third, rather. Yes. So this was so I I had to dig deep to find these headlines um, because a lot of when you first Google, I, I don't think being frugal with a non-frugal partner is probably the term you're going to search for in Google. It's probably like how to get your spouse or your partner on board with frugality or paying off debt or budgeting or what have you. But when I searched those things, they all came up with very symptom-based tips. So very like symptoms like, I don't know if symptoms is the right word, but just like very surface level Mm -hmm. tips, like show them the budget, like guess it convicting them or maybe even guilting them. I don't, Mm -hmm. that's probably some of the result that's going to come inadvertently. So I didn't really love most of the articles on this topic. Well, a lot of times it's behavior based rather than relationship based. And of course, mm-hmm. if we're talking spouses, partners, these are people we deeply care for. And we're not going to resolve deeper rooted issues by just looking at behaviors or ways we can manipulate or get our way. We want to dig deeper to that relational level. And I think that's what what we aim to do here in this episode. And hopefully in all episodes, it's not just about the actions. There are some tools we can implement. There are some things we can do, but not without also looking at some of the deeper layers and having tools that are maybe outside of just the do this, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Behavior is what I was looking for, not symptom. But yes, they were all behavior-based. And if there is no motivation to do behaviors, there's going to be no success. You're going to keep spinning your wheels and being frustrated that nothing is changing with your partner. So these articles, we hope, give kind of an alternative like view, a maybe more positive and relational view. So that starts with this first article, what to do if you're more frugal than your partner. It comes from crunchy from, tales. Yeah, crunchy tales. <laughs> I'm here for it. We got. I don't know what it means, some... but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I am very, very pleased with this article. Every mm-hmm. single aspect of it. I think it is so on point and gives some really insightful, rich things to think about, tips along the way. I'm I'm so thrilled. And one of the things that they point out at the very onset, and I'll just read this quote that is unrealistic to expect your partner to change your way of handling money, much like it's unrealistic for you to change your spouses. This concept, and I think recognizing and embracing this from the start is very necessary because for however set in your ways you feel, it's most likely the case for your spouse or partner. And so recognizing that, that this is where we're starting from and the aim isn't just to change the other person. We can shift and change and morph and grow, but hopefully out of invitation and relationship and personal desire to change and grow, not out of manipulation on the part of another person. And so coming into this, recognizing what is my motivation? Is it to change this person or to understand them better and learn ways of working together in ways that are mutually beneficial? Totally different approaches. Yeah, that I have same, same feelings. I also liked these, these different tips. So I, I like the first one, it's not it, not a tip, but she's just saying like more than numbers, opposites attract. And so maybe you're not opposite from your partner in every single way. But she says we each have our internal money wiring, which is reflected in how we save, spend, invest and give. Um, and to that, we also have our individual money stories from life circumstances. So understanding these differences is crucial to getting the result that both of you want financially. I love how they describe the the one of the first steps can be, well, certainly they talk about having um, a financial date. So we've used the term money party, whatever word you want to put on it, that's the most appealing for you. But the idea is that we need to have time set aside that's attractive, that we want to engage in, but where there is space and safety created for an intentional conversation about money, but not necessarily just diving into the numbers and the budget and the spreadsheet. If if you've got a well-oiled machine, then, then fine. That's what you're doing. But obviously, that's not the couple that we're talking to right now. <laughs> Beginning first with some of these other layers that aren't the budget, that aren't the numbers. And, and we'll get into more of that. One of the things that they talk about is identifying your money personality. There's a lot of different ways of going about this. I really like what they've outlined here though of they've identified in this article five different money personalities and they include the nurturer the epicurean the independent the producer the visionary and being able to have an understanding of what each one of these are where you fall and where your partner falls again for the sake of understanding one another valuing one another so that from that foundation and launching point you can move towards some actions that allow line with your growing understanding. Yeah, I love these five money personalities. Do you okay, don't tell me which one you are. Do you know which one you are on these? Yes. Okay. I'm going to guess. Do you think you can guess which one I am? 
Probably. Yeah. Okay. Just having looked at these briefly for the past five minutes, not digging into these, but I think that you are the nurturer. That that was my first okay. thought as yeah. well. Yeah. Because you are so extra in taking care of people. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's growing inside it. of me. I do think I've I changed it. throughout the years. And that's a whole other thing is I think sometimes our personality with money can change. Mm-hmm. How we interact Absolutely. with it can change. For you, I think you're the producer. Mm. I actually am the independent. <laughs> okay. I was back and forth between the yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> I I think if I was the producer, I would I would look at my money more than once a month. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I look at my bank accounts more than once a month. Um, if that, you know, I have to do it once a month, and it's yeah. a chore for me. Well, let let me read through this really quick, just so people okay. can know if they don't end up making it to this article. The nurturer is someone who will keep others in mind when making financial decisions, even though sometimes they're aware putting others first may not be possible. The Epicurean, they may enjoy spending money, but usually with a spending goal in mind, they typically seek the good life and like the finer things. The Independent, they deeply value freedom and autonomy. It's important to them to live life on their own terms, have the freedom to follow their bliss. They tend to think (laughs) about money, um, not think about money unless it's getting in the way of living the life that they want. The producer is grounded, diligent, consistent when it comes to managing money. They watch over it carefully, enjoy accumulating it and watching it grow. I might be a combination of the nurturer and the producer, honestly. I love accumulating money. Yes. (laughs) I think that that's what stood out to me about you. That's probably... And then that might the producer might be our crossover. You're independent yeah. and nurturer, and then we have a crossover well, and producer. We're both Look at Enneagram us. threes, yes. so achievers. So that yeah is easily translated to that. And then finally, the visionary. They see money as a tool for self expression and a means to follow. They're driven to do what they love for work and are equally excited when they are working toward consistent success financially. Now, mind you, as I've read all of these brief descriptions, they're all good. All mm-hmm. of them are are excellent. Not There's not a hierarchy here. And so I think that's one of the things we also want to highlight in this conversation that the frugal, the non, the non-frugal, or the the spender, the saver, the one who's more money conscious, the one who doesn't think about money a lot. There's not a good or bad, a right or wrong, a better than here. They're all valuable and have something to give. I recognize that there can be tension. Sometimes there can be a a railing against or a pulling apart that can happen when these various personalities come together. But that's another thing I think to hold on to here is recognizing where is their value? Where is their understanding where we can uplift the various qualities of the other person? The financial Mm -hmm. conversations will go much better if that's the standpoint we can come from. Yeah. I mean, you can absolutely love nice things and the good life and be that Epicurean and be frugal because Mm. that is the definition of values-based spending, knowing what you value and spending without guilt on it. And you can also be the producer and love making money and love spending it intentionally. So like all of these money personalities are also translatable to a frugal or non-frugal lifestyle. It's just trying to get, see how we can 
live in our personality and our partner's personality in a more productive way. Ooh, like the concept of values-based spending, but around this of how can we help each other be the best version of money personality that they are, right? Absolutely. Like not all of my nurturer or producer tendencies are rooted in beneficial things, mm-hmm. but meet for me growing so that that I can be the best nurturer with my money. And how can I help my spouse be the best producer or visionary with their money? Like what an amazing goal and gets us on the same team, even if we're different. Absolutely. And that's going to help pull your partner into wanting to be frugal. If you're, if they know that you have their best interests in mind and you want them to live in their fullest self, then they're going to be more open to the idea of being mindful of their money. I think so one of like one of the reasons I'm truly independent is like I don't like being told what to do with my money. Like I don't even like myself telling me what to do with my money. Mm. Uh, and so when I think somebody else is trying to tell me what to do, like I push back. And so like but Travis telling me like how can we, you know, align our finances so that you can have that freedom you truly value, not just like surface level in I can spend whatever I want when I want, but like the true freedom is I can live however I want Mm. in the time and have enough Mm. time to do it. Mm. That's like mind blowing. And that's, yeah, that's way more effective than look at your transactions. Look at how much you spent last month. (laughs) Aren't you convicted about that? Oh, it's I'm saying it in a high pitched voice. It could be in a low pitched voice too. (laughs) It's not shame based (laughs) and it's completely removing the shame from Mm -hmm. it, but celebrating what is inside of yourself and the other person. Oh, I'm, I'm so jazzed on this conversation. Absolutely. Oof. So then the next thing that 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 can be talked about in this financial date, this money party, this whatever you want to call it is your background, your money story. We all have one and it began in our childhood and it was developed throughout our teen years and into adulthood. Some of it is excellent and aimed at well-being. Some of it probably not excellent, not beneficial for us. And so teasing that apart, weeding that out, but we're not going to be able to have growth, experience growth, learning better things for ourselves without an understanding of where we came from, which can help to inform where where do we want to go. And having this understanding of yourself and your partner, again, is going to form that foundation of how can we best approach one another and how can we make decisions that are going to be aimed at well-being? So tell each other your stories. I, I like some of the questions that they provide of what were your early feelings about money? What were your parents' circumstances and attitudes about money? Asking each other these questions, again, in a safe space, digging deeper on these money conversations that are not threatening about what did you spend last month, but let me get to know you. Invitation for deeper intimacy and understanding of one another. Holy smokes, going to go so much better than looking at Mm -hmm. spreadsheets. Absolutely. So the next uh, part is to create goals and middle ground strategies. I love the middle ground strategies part. And she says in bold, 
Successful relationships are a journey of compromise, forgiveness, and of course, love. Uh, When it comes to money, it's essential that you both have an equal say and can come to an agreement regarding saving, spending, investing, and giving. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what these, the, uh, like the middle ground strategies are so like important for. So like, what's that amount that's too high for you and too low for your spouse that may love to spend? Find that middle ground. It's going to be a little uncomfortable for both of you. It should, Mm -hmm. but there should be some agreement so that like when they're out and they're making a purchase, there's already a guideline of, okay, what do I have to consult the budget on? What do I have to talk to my spouse about? What can I just buy, you know, without asking, you know, consulting a soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this concept. Mm-hmm. It's negotiation, which we've talked about before. I do think this conversation does need to be tethered to numbers. Uh, we can't just throw out numbers without knowing, well, what what can we afford? What is within the money that we bring in every month to be able to say, what can you spend without needing to ask? And what's that number that is going to make quite an impact on the money that we've brought in that month? So tether that conversation to something, but give room for that negotiation of this is what I think we can spend and don't need to consult with one another, this falls under the bigger purchase category where we should check in with one another, make plans for this thing to be purchased. I know many couples approach even shared finances in a variety of ways. So definitely bring that into consideration, whether you have shared bank accounts or separate bank accounts, whatever that is, tethering it to the reality of your situation when you finally get to this point of the conversation. And then from there, implementing a document together. Again, this needs to be congruent with who you are. But a lot of times when we put things into writing, there is more follow through. When we can come to a point of very clearly defined boundary lines, but also aims and goals, we're more likely to have this okay, we're doing this together. And and this is a shared journey that we're doing. So it doesn't have to be complicated. I know we talk about within the Frugal Friends podcast and community, a one page financial plan. This can be that of putting Mm -hmm. down in writing, what are your long term goals, your short term goals? What do you want to be putting towards saving? What are some of the spending things that you want to see in your life in the coming months and years ahead? So get it in writing, put down what you this hard work that you've implemented of all these conversations and now bring it together. This is finally the action point. We finally made it there. We've talked about all the other things. We've invited one another to deeper understanding. And now what do we want to do with this? Let's put it in writing. Yeah. <laughs> she the the um the rule she says the rules and budgets have a restrictive implication, um, especially for natural spenders. So how about calling them adoring agreements and soulful spending plans? It's <laughs> it's all about branding, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean that's one way. Sure, if that's what if that's what you need. Yeah. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? 
kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. So our next article, the the last one kind of ends um, with this, like, you can still control your own spending even if you can't control your partners. And that kind of leads us into um, this next one from CS Monitor, how to protect yourself when a spouse mishandles money. And this one's kind of like a worst case scenario. We always hope for the best and we live we live in that, but we don't want to be so naive that we do not prepare for the worst. And so this article goes over some of the ways that you can just make smart financial decisions for yourself. Yes. Okay. A couple of things that I want to say, because this is now the point in this episode that I think we are digging even deeper into some of the realities of people's circumstances. First, I want to say it's an interesting hosting website for this article, but don't be misled. This yeah. person is a blogger for The Simple Dollar. and and He owns The Simple Dollar. I yes. just couldn't find the article on The Simple, on the Simple Dollar website. Dollar. <laughs> so here, here it is hosted on the Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> yes. But, but the person but who wrote that. it is... <laughs> Uh, has valuable insight and it's very we yeah, trust trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so then beyond that, we are now talking about issues in relationships related to finances that go beyond. Oh, we can't seem to get on the same page, or they like to spend a little bit more money than I do, or I wish they enjoyed eating at home more. We're not talking about those dynamics anymore. We're talking about some dynamics that 
can really be devastating in relationships. And part of the reason we're talking about this is because it is more common than I think we realize. And I recognize this in my own care for people in the mental health field, in my own conversations with friends and acquaintances and within this podcast environment, the, the real things that people are dealing with and wanting to put some content out there that can help people feel seen, but also so equipped for, okay, yes, this issue does go to a deeper level. And there are things that you can do in response to that financially, but also emotionally and mentally to be able to care for yourself. This one also does hit very close to home for me. I'm not going to go into details, but I have seen this very real time play out where there is some extreme mishandling of money that can affect a spouse. And if that is you, there is no shame in that. There, There is help. There are things you can do. There is influence that you have. But I think also this might be a conversation where it goes deeper beyond, oh, I, I just need to listen to episodes about how to get my spouse on board. It's very possible that if you find yourself in the situations that we're about to describe, there needs to be some counseling for you as an individual, for hopefully you as a couple, if your spouse is willing to come together, because what we're about to describe goes deeper than just quote unquote surface money issues, there are deeper things going on that are most likely linked to past experiences, understanding of money, potential traumas, and so deeper levels of help and assistance. But we want to give some of the the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> there mm-hmm. you go. There's a statement I say often of but what can you do in the immediacy when you recognize that this is happening? And so some examples are a spouse that consistently refuses to talk about money or their spending, where there are maybe charges on a debit or credit card that you have no idea about and they refuse to be forthright about. There is spending beyond one's means that might have to do with addiction. It might have to do with, again, traumas, various coping mechanisms, you name it but secretive purchases that aren't gifts for you. It's not the holidays Mm -hmm. and these secretive purchases aren't things that eventually you're going to find wrapped up as a nice gift. These are the things that we're describing. And again, many, many people do find themselves in this situation. So part of this is normalizing and validating and you are seen, but you're not without tools and resources and you don't have to fall victim to this circumstance with the person that you care about and value. Yeah. And even if you don't believe that there could be like deep stuff going on, like stuff you don't know about, these are still things that are essential to do for individuals because maybe there aren't issues now, but down the road could be. And so these are just, these are just smart things or, or, and there's very often in this when there are deep issues, the non spending, spouse doesn't know about it because mm-hmm. the the um, overspending spouse is hiding it so well. They're really good at it. So that's why, again, there's no shame or judgment in this because these are just things we need to do and, and know about because it could come up at any time. And we hope it won't. We hope that your non-frugal spouse will like 
you'll have these conversations and they'll be inspired and you'll work together and you'll have this like really fruitful relationship. But we always want to like prepare for Mm -hmm. the alternative too. Yeah. If there's secrecy, if there's stonewalling, those do though indicate deeper issues that you will Mm -hmm. most likely, well, I would encourage get some help, get some counseling to help understand what's happening, protect yourself, be able to navigate this. And hopefully, as you're saying, Jen, come together and find some of that healing and well-being. Yeah. And I would say, so the first tip for me, which I don't think is on this, but I would say it's it's first before the first tip yeah. is to check your credit report. And if you are able to check your spouse's credit report as well. Ultimately, check yours first to make sure that no um, loans or credit cards have been opened up in your social security number that you don't know about. Your credit report at freecreditreport.com or Credit Karma will show you all the debts that you have on your social security number. And then the same for your spouse. Uh, So if You can keep separate finances, but an open relationship should be willing to share what's going on in each person's finances. So yeah, that would be the first thing just to make sure there's full transparency in the relationship, making sure we know. It's not going to tell you how much is in your bank account or what the transactions are. So it's not going to do like individual like specifics like that, but you'll see the debts, the checking accounts all of that. And so I'd say that is the f- the first thing I would do. Mm-hmm. And then from there, one of the ways that we can protect ourselves and we can take w- control and influence in the areas that we have control over is to open up a separate savings account. Put a savings account in your name and begin to put money aside into that account. It can be small amounts, large amounts, whatever it is, set that up. I'm not saying to do, and I don't think this article is either, and then keep that a secret. Mm -mm. But of course, you do want it to be protected so that that money is there so that you can care for yourself and potentially your spouse or partner if needed. But of course, if there is a lot of secrecy, especially from the other person, I would say before informing about this other account that they could potentially have access to, having a mediator, having some counseling, a therapist, be able to talk through some of those issues. Because if you're getting to this point where you might need to open up a separate savings account and keep it hidden, then that is an indicator of there might be some other things that we need to talk about and explore here. So I'm not saying forever and always keep this hidden and do the same thing that the spouse is doing, but know that you are moving towards protection of self in this and continue to operate in protection and wisdom at each next step. Yeah, you can absolutely and should absolutely be open with your partner and say, I have my own savings account. I'm transferring money regularly into it to save for yada yada. And so if everything's great, you have the savings account, you're saving for whatever in it, whatever you want. Um, And you just have it just in case it's on your social security uh, number, you know the password, yada, yada. So it's, it's yours just in case something happens. Like, God forbid, your partner dies and there's a problem accessing immediate funds. Mm -hmm. Then you have all of your own stuff for immediate access. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to have... Mm -hmm 
at least both names, if not each person having an account. Uh, again, that's a whole other situation I've seen mm-hmm. before where one spouse is not on any of the accounts, uh, sometimes not ill motive or malice in it. Just It just didn't happen. And yeah. yes, there's no access to funds then in an emergency situation. So that's just yeah. a good idea across Definitely. the board. Set up your beneficiaries on your account and put whoever you want as the beneficiary and you can alleviate that problem. But yeah, sometimes it gets forgotten. And setting up automatic transfer. Again, this is one of those tips that is worthwhile, regardless of the situation that you find yourself in. When you have a savings account, when you have investing accounts, setting up that automatic transfer, even if it is a low amount, so that you know regularly money is being put there and that can give peace of mind. Yeah. And then next, something everyone should do, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, is have a Roth IRA or a a traditional IRA for yourself and be putting as much money into it every month as feasibly possible. And so this is something you should do whether you are I mean, you know, you're like, I'm never leaving my spouse. They're great. They're much better than me. Or you're like, this is Rocky. I'm not sure like how this is going to go or or whatever. Everyone needs their own IRA because the maximum contributions are so low that really it makes sense for both spouses to have one. And if you are a non-working spouse, you are still eligible for a Roth IRA mm. as long as you are married filing jointly or I believe possibly head of household. You'll have to check me on that. But non-working spouses are eligible for Roth IRAs. So you should have one. Everyone should have their own IRA. Mic drop. And that's what it is. And hopefully you feel seen, equipped, given the tools that you need to have conversations that might be difficult, but starting at the relational level and then moving to action. And if your situation goes deeper than, I just wish my husband didn't, you know, buy so many snacks. And it is there's more layers of concern. You are also Mm -hmm. seen and there's no shame there and there is help and there are things within your control that you can do and get a part of the community within your your network that can help to provide you the support that you need. You're not alone in it. And hopefully some of these very simple tips can help in those first few steps to be able to move towards well-being for all of you. And you know what the next step is here now that we've said all of that and... It's a necessary step no matter where you are in your relationship, but especially if you're where Jill and I are. (laughs) The Bill Bill of the the Week! That's right! It's time for the best minute of your entire week! Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hi, this is Kelly and I am a fairly new listener to your podcast. I was listening to the episode about saving money on coffee, which I desperately need to do. And I was heard your cry for a Bill Curtis. And I do have an uncle, Bill Curtis. 
He is my mom's younger brother. He's the youngest of eight kids. And he is recovering from a major stroke that he had about three years ago. And I'm just so proud of his recovery. So thanks for hearing my story about my favorite Bill, Uncle Bill Curtis. I think I'm I think I'm about to cry. I think tears are like welling up inside of me for so I'm like so happy for you, Kelly. I'm so happy for you, Jen. Like you're I, beside yourself. Kelly. And and uh, Uncle Bill Curtis. I'm Uncle so Bill. thrilled that you are recovering from this stroke. I am so, so thrilled. And may you continue to experience recovery. We want all the best for you, Bill. Mr. Bill Curtis. And Kelly, thank you so much for seeing me. I feel seen in this episode now and bringing this, bringing this beautiful bill to our episode. Thank you. Wow, Kelly, you really brought it. It's a person. (sighs) It's inspiring. It's Bill Curtis. He's an uncle. We all know there's, there are uncles out there named Bill and Bill Curtis, mind you. Oh, Everyone, everyone gets something with that bill. Thanks so much, Kelly. If you all listening, I, these just keep getting better and better. I don't know if you can top it. I don't know if you can do heartwarming and amazing and funny and, but, but give it a try. Submit your bill. Unless you know Bill Curtis and you get him to call in a bill, I will pass out. She will pass out. I don't know if I can handle that. But I'm here for it. I will be here for it. <laughs> Visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us a bill. I don't love creating my spending plan each month. And it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. And now it's time for So this one is our vulnerable round. It's vulnerable like lightning. Vulnerability lightning. (laughs) Like like standing outside in a lightning storm with an umbrella. Vulnerable. 
That's this. Um, so the question today is, are you the frugal or non-frugal partner in your relationship? And I didn't put this on the question, but prove it. That's the follow up. <laughs> yes. We know this for each other, but we want you guys listening to know. So um, and, and prove Jill, it. I love and that. Hashtag prove it. Okay. You all probably know, especially if you've been listening for a long time, I am the more frugal partner in my relationship with my husband, Eric. He's amazing. We are married 10 years and we have discovered how to care for and value each other well. And we've got those check-ins and money conversations and how we're going to go about this down. I mean, not saying it's flawless or perfect, Mm -hmm. but thankfully it is going, it's going better and better. We sometimes hit the snags. Here's how I'm going to prove it. There was a time when I made an online purchase with our credit card. Eric was out of the house. He gets a phone call because it's his phone number that's attached to the, you know, the main contact of the credit card. Both of our names are on the credit card, though, but it's his number that's first listed. So he gets a phone call saying, we think your card has been compromised. Would you like to cancel it? And he's like, well, what was the charge? And it was this online retailer. And he's like, yeah, no, I think I can say without a shadow of a doubt, that's a fraudulent charge. Please go ahead and cancel it. (laughs) And then I try and make another purchase on the card and find that the card has been canceled. It's, It's closed out. And I call him. I'm like, what's going on? Do you know what's going on with the credit card? He's like, yeah, there was this weird charge. So I had them cancel it. I'm like, and you didn't check in with me. He's like, no, because I I know you just you don't you don't shop online. You don't do that. And 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 I had it was like the one time when it made sense to me. I was sitting on my couch. I didn't want to drive to the store. So I made the purchase. He didn't eat so so here's my proof that a charge was made on the credit card. He didn't make it. So he just assumed, oh, yeah, that's fraudulent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cancel the credit card. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It, that ended up being quite a fiasco because then we needed to get a refund and the refund went back on that card. But because the card was canceled, we just like ended up never getting that money back because it was that canceling of the credit card was quite a headache. But the main part of my story is that's my proof that I'm more frugal because he was like, no, clearly Jill never spends money. I'm going to go ahead and cancel this card because someone else is using it. And that's how we know. (laughs) That is a great. And the fact that Eric once wanted an indoor water feature, (laughs) like that is something he legitimately asked for. It's so funny because I'm, I'm not cheap. I am willing to spend where it makes logical sense to me. Like I'm not going to take advantage of people. I'm not afraid to spend money, but I don't often find myself in positions where, where I need to do that. But I also am willing to like buy the plane tickets, do the adventure, get a gift. But there are just certain categories where you won't, yeah, you won't find me at Target. You won't find me in the dollar section there. You're not going to find me just spending, just to spend. Mm. Yes, I, I will agree with that. All right, Jen. I know what you are, but but share. Okay, so I wouldn't say I'm the non-frugal partner, but I will say I am the less frugal partner. And it is only because my frugality pales in comparison to Travis's frugality, which borderlines on 
cheap, possibly homeless. <laughs> he is so, oh my gosh. I, how can I narrow down the stories? I mean, just yesterday, he brought home a dresser that he found on the side of the road. And I love to drink coffee. And Travis, oh, <laughs> here's one. So we went on a cruise. Travis does not drink alcohol because he doesn't like to pay for it. But when you buy him a drink, he also doesn't like a lot of the taste of alcohol, but, but he will accept an alcoholic beverage from you if you buy it for him. And the people at our table bought the drink package and they couldn't use it all. You both have to like, not just one person in the room can buy it. Both people in the room have to buy it. So they had to go like 30 drinks a day. Like that was their max. Jeez. And they were not going to use that. And so they were buying us drinks and they bought Travis a pina colada. Mm. And it is his new favorite drink. <laughs> but he said, I think the reason, like, I think the only reason I liked it so much is because it was free. Mm. He wouldn't even admit to just like really loving it. <laughs> he had to stipulate that part of the reason why he loved it was because it was free. And what's your reason for liking it? F for liking alcohol? Yeah. I just like it. See, there you go. So that's the proof. He <laughs> likes it because it's free and you like it because it's alcohol. Yeah, I I will buy alcohol. It is one of my core values. It goes community, <laughs> achievement, alcohol. Oh, man. But we, di <laughs> we digress very responsibly. We do. Yeah. So I will spend I will spend money on that. And he doesn't get it because it costs money. He's like, why wouldn't you just get water? It's free. Mm, mm. So fair point, Travis. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that and there you. are countless stories. Those are just the ones that happened oh, the yeah. last two weeks. Oh, yeah. I love that you've got you've got them locked and loaded for all the mm -hmm. examples. And yes, I have seen firsthand. It's funny. We've got such a pendulum. All of us collectively, the four of us together are all very much more so on the side of very conscious about spending and quite values-based and and frugal in our own right. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it goes Travis being the most frugal to you, Jen, to then me, to then Eric. So even though I'm more frugal than Eric, you're more frugal than me <laughs> and Travis just like right in a row. But there's yeah. freedom in it. And that's mm -hmm. what I and I think we can all value where each other is and laugh at when it goes awry. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, let us know what you are, what your personality, yeah. money personality type is, how these conversations go with your spouse, if you've got any other tips. And yes. thank you so much for listening. Many of you know, we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges. Sometimes it includes talking with spouses about this type of thing. And we offer accountability groups. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win. This one is Tanea E, who said, I have never negotiated a bill before. I've never had the capital to be in the position to negotiate, nor have I ever known it was a thing that I could do. At one point in the spending symposium, that's our virtual event 
that we do annually, which was so fun. One of the speakers talked about negotiating their first medical bill. I had an epiphany about this and was facing more than $2,000 bill for my daughter's gastronomy procedure. I have yet to meet my deductible for the year, so I was forced to pay the entire amount out of pocket. Since I heard I could negotiate, I asked the billing lady what my options were. Since I offered to pay the bill in full, they offered me a 20% discount for the entire bill. I put the whole amount on my credit card and paid off the credit card the next day from my savings. I also got 2% cash back on all purchases. So the $1,500 bill gave me an additional $30 back in my rewards account. And because I have the HSA, the payment was made with tax-free money. Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Win on win on win. That is is hacking. Yes. Yeah. Just really being... In, intentional and smart. Yes. And this was before she heard last week's episode on negotiating medical bills mm. um, and debts. So way to go, yeah. uh, Tanaya. So proud of you. Thanks everyone for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club and see what we've got coming up next. See you next time. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. I will say sometimes it can feel, and I don't want it to feel this way, uh, but I recognize it. And so I think naming it is part of it. Even though Eric isn't a massive spender, I can feel like I'm harnessing or like holding back floodgates or kind of like like I need (laughs) like I am responsible to kind of just like keep it reined in because if not, it would potentially go haywire. Not that he would spend outside of means, but maybe beyond what other savings or spending goals would allow for like if given permission i think it could potentially be a frenzy and i just feel this responsibility <laughs> to like tether or rein in i don't love that sometimes it feels like i'm holding multiple leashes and and i can't let them go because if i do then it's going to um be completely out of my control but it sometimes sometimes it feels that way With like the leash. I feel like if you let go of that, though, Eric would experience that for like a month and then he would like be over it. So I I feel like your your concerns are not without merit. Yeah. But I also think that you have taught him well enough over the years and he's listened to enough episodes of the Frugal Friends podcast. Yeah. But the thing is, the damage that he could do in a month is amazing. (laughs) He's got some very expensive interests and hobbies between. And and this this has helped that a lot of the things that he purchases. And so he's a he's a researcher. 
And he loves to look things up and learn things. And that's a that's valuable. And there are many w- things, ways that that benefits us. But I see that some of the flip side of that is that leads to then spending. When he is constantly researching, looking up, learning new things, it makes, it gives him an awareness of what's out there that he might mm-hmm. want. And, and so there's, that's a double-edged sword, which I'm grateful for in some regard. And sometimes I feel like I need to like be part of the reining it in. But when it comes to renovating our house, it makes sense that, yes, he needs to buy these tools. Yes, we need to buy these materials. And I'm grateful for that research. And he finds the best deal and he does the thing. And I think renovations gives an outlet for that. But without the renovations, where will that go? I know that it needs an outlet. I know that he needs to be researching and buying. But like his interests are boating, RVs, music equipment, tools like we're not talking you know he just really enjoys collecting pokemon cards which i'm great very grateful for that'd be i i wouldn't love that if that was his shit <laughs> but it, 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 it it's it's quite amazing the things that he could find to spend money on. And I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool. You know that we can't buy a $25,000 RV right now, right? Right? We're both <laughs> on the same page there. <laughs> well, what if you? he just like gets into stocks and index funds and sectors and he could re- research recreational sectors and see? Yeah. Which, you which put companies pictures are the of best boats on those index funds maybe yeah definitely mm-hmm. i think that could help that it reminds me though of travis with bringing home free stuff <laughs> yes. i'm very thankful for it i love secondhand i don't like to search for it myself um but i do prefer it and travis is always bringing home free stuff like the dresser was like oh my god are you in my head i was literally looking for a dresser exactly like this i was going to spend a hundred dollars on it and and you brought one into my house for free and so thankful but then like some of the stuff he brings in we're never going to use yeah. or need yeah and so it just becomes like a things that sit until we put them back where he found them. Oh, that's funny. That is so similar where I kind of feel mm-hmm. like I'm holding back the reins on yes. the spending and you feel like you're pushing out the please don't bring this please don't bring this uh-huh. into my home. Yeah. It's very it's similar. Exactly what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Ooh. thankful for it. And yeah, also like don't like, stop. I'm, but yeah. also there's a boundary line. <laughs> <laughs> that's um yeah. It's great. Don't stop until I say so. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) we're stopping. Bye. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.